Yo, what is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I am your host with the Holy Ghost, the Packaging Pastor, Adam Peak, and I am joined today by a wonderful guest. Her name is Jamela Lewis. She's the packaging manager at Canoe. Canoe is an electric car company, and she describes it as just a purely electric culture. I thought that this episode was appropriate for this week because Canoe made the news as Walmart has committed to buying electric vehicles, delivery vehicles from Canoe. You want to check that out. You want to check out what they have, C-A-N-O-O dot com. I know that I want one. That's for sure. Uh, there's another company that's been just an incredible partner for us here at the People of Packaging Podcast that's making a huge difference, and that is Eco Enclose. Similar to Canoe, Eco Enclose is making a massive difference on the planet, and you can join them. You can find your sustainable packaging there. They are your one-stop shop for eco-friendly shipping solutions. They offer the world's most sustainable packaging, whether it's recycled, recyclable, and naturally biodegradable packaging. They ensure that you can be proud of how you ship your products. So make sure you go to ecoenclose.com, E-C-O-E-N-C-L-O-S-E.com. Check them out. Check out what Canoe is doing. And make sure you don't miss this episode with Jamela Lewis, the packaging manager over at Canoe. Let's hop over to the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to Jamela Lewis and get to hear her story about uh, from school all the way up through the various industries she's worked in and this exciting new company where she finds herself out today. Uh, so Jamela, welcome. Is this your first uh, packaging podcast you've ever done? Oh my. Yes, I feel so honored. <laughs> Uh, you cut out there for just one second. Did you say, I, all I heard was, yeah, I'm so honored. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Oh, yes. It, it, yeah. Yep. Right on. It right is. On. It's my first, yeah, it's my first podcast ever. So um, it's exciting. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm, I'm super glad to have you on uh, here, the People of Packaging Podcast. We're coming up on, I think by the time this one releases, we'll be over 150 episodes, which is pretty wild. Um to think about. So thanks so much for coming on. So why don't we do just a quick background? I mean, people can look up information about someone online, but hearing it from them, I think just creates a more compelling story. So your, um, where'd you grow up and kind of just do a quick introduction of, of who is Jamela Lewis? Okay. So um, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Jamela Lewis. I grew up in Southfield, Michigan right outside of Detroit, Michigan. Um, and then from there, I went on to Michigan State, go green, go white out there. Um, so from there, when I first got there, as most um, engineers, um, I went into your more traditional style of engineering, um, electrical um, engineering was going to be my major. And then the old saying goes, if you can't hack it, pack it. No, um, no Jamal, uh, that's not true. That's not true anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Those who can hack it, pack it. That's what I say. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it was a more, very much more interesting um, than the traditional style of engineering. The labs were more inter were more entertaining, and they were more hands on, and they were more real world. Um, in some of my lecture halls, especially during my senior year, we will have 
um, companies come to ask us to help them with their packaging, right? And at the time, packaging was kind of just starting to become a little popular, right? So even though the packaging school had been around for 50 years, um, as we were getting out of school, it started to become more prominent in different industries and noticing that it was an issue. And packaging is just cool, right? It's something that you touch every single day. Like every single time you interact with something, you experience how it's packaged, right? Mm -hmm. So how many times have you gotten something from, you know, Amazon or Sephora and you're like, dang, why'd they put it in this container? It sucks, you know? And then, (laughs) you know, so, um, but yeah, so after uh, Michigan State, I went on to work for International Paper. I actually didn't go into packaging. Um, I was a buyer or a category manager actually for them. And then after that, I went over to Axiom. They were a startup for a product development firm. And then we worked with various companies around Cincinnati, like P&G and Microsoft and things like that. So I got to experience some CPG packaging, which is kind of cool. It's obviously more graphics. It's more labeling. You have to have FDA um, approvals and everything. So it's a little bit different with that. And then from there, we're on to Toyota. Um, Started off as a packaging engineer in Hebron at the parts center. Then I went on to the headquarters as a buyer again for packaging. And after that, I went on to um, become a senior engineer over in the packaging group there where I spent majority of my time with Toyota. And then just recently, I left Toyota and went on to Canoe, um, their Canoe Technologies, their EV startup based out of Torrance, California. And so I've been there for just over a month now. Man, that's a lot. Uh, you cover yeah. so much ground there. You're very efficient, yeah. very, very uh, engineer in your and covering the, covering that. So a couple questions that I have that came up as you were talking that I've written down here. So uh, when you're growing up uh, outside of Detroit, like what was it that drew you to engineering specifically? You talked about what drew you to packaging, but like what drew you to engineering as you were growing up? Is that something that you always wanted to do? Um, so yeah, I grew up in a house of engineers. Uh, my dad's an engineer. My mom is a computer engineer. My dad was an electrical engineer. Um, he, my dad worked for GM for about 30 years actually. And he did it um, trying to kind of like trade school style, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of doing all the, you know, history and communications one-on-one, you know, he went straight to the engineering uh, part. So he went to RETS. It's a, it used to be a engineering school in Detroit. And so um, some of our summer projects would be, you know, using LED lights to like, um, we would have it from a battery to a little, um, like a little microchip and then make it light up. We would put stuff together, take stuff apart. We would learn how to wire the house. So we were always kind of around it. And on my mom's side, she was computer engineering. So we did a lot of programming. We would program little websites for her and maybe the church group, something like that. So we were kind of all me and, my, and I say we, me and my younger brother, he's also an engineer as well. He did electrical engineering. He went to University of Michigan. So we're house divided. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, that's kind of what drew us in. We were just kind of always around it. Yeah, that's that's great. It, I love that the when you're talking about you and your brother and just kind of the experiential learning that you grew up in is something that, you know, for me and my wife, like we have five kids and and we're constantly trying to get them to just like learn about like not just learn about things, but just to like experience stuff and and 
go play and and figure things out and take things apart and all that. I, I got to imagine having a parent that's a computer uh, a computer engineer and an electrical engineer um, that that just had to have been a, a, a tremendously not boring upbringing. <laughs> Seems like <laughs> no. there's probably always something to do. Yeah, but you know, even now, still, they're like, "Well, back in my day, you guys, you millennials, are so lazy. You guys just YouTube it." So <laughs> there's still some of that, <laughs> um, even though we grew up like that. But you know, it's just different now because we didn't have the internet, really. Right? Yeah, but, it's not that we're, it's not that you're lazy. It's just that you're more efficient. I mean, yeah, honestly, I it's like, why not? Why not? My my son, my 15 year old, taught himself to play the piano all on YouTube. Never taken a yeah. lesson plays yeah. full classical music like it's crazy yeah yeah uh well that's that that's really cool and you also i don't i can't remember if you cover this or not but you also uh got your mba correct yes i guess i spoke over that part yes uh uh in my transition between axiom and toyota i did get my mba um it's concentrated in project management and i got it from florida institute of technology in melbourne florida so um, they're actually doing a spotlight on me here soon as well. So oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. So I love it. Uh, yeah, it was all online. It was convenient um, for me. The reason why I did that is because as an engineer, I found myself, we get pigeonholed sometimes into the field and hmm. the field's fun sometimes, but then it kind of gets a little old, right? Like you kind of want to be I guess back when we were in the office, you want to be at the headquarters where they had all the parties, where they had all the, you know, big events and celebrities come in and stuff like that. You don't get to, you don't get to read about it in the field when you're not at the headquarters, you know? So I really wanted to be a part of that. And that's why I went and got my MBA to make me a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, no doubt. And it's interesting, look, as you're going through your background and I would be super curious to find out that has your has has your background of being both in like finance and supply chain as a buyer and, and buying packaging but also knowing what goes into design packaging have you have you found that that combination has really helped you as you've gone from from uh you know axiom and expedex or you say, i guess it was international paper is that what it was I can't remember. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's exponential, like a like a subsidiary of international paper. But yes, yes. for me, it, it um even today, like I was going through something where I have to put my buyer hat on, you know, and then realize, okay, well, this is what's going to cost and how to um put that into the packaging design so if in my experience when I'm gonna, if i'm going to go automotive which that's where a lot of my experience is with automotive packaging you're looking at everything for, for as a buyer so how much does the steel cost how many pieces of steel do you need how many times do you have to cut it what type of cut is it what type of engineering do you need what type of turns do you need what type of weld type of screws um all these different um, items, right, that you would never think of when you see a rack, you just see four posts in the base. You're like, how does this many cuts go into it? But it really does yeah. um, look at that. So when you're looking at putting together packaging for a car part, you know, the more complex your rack is and complexity is just based upon how many pieces of dunnage do you have? Does it move? Does it lock? Does it fold down? Is it a walk-in? And all those different factors add up to your material costs. And also your 
design cost, right? Someone has to design that rack, someone has to put that rack together. And so that makes the cost go up. So sometimes when you have like these crazy ideas, you're like, ooh, that's going to be a million dollar rack, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, am I going to get a million uses out of it? You know, I don't know. So those are some things that you have to consider. But yeah, having that purchasing background did kind of uh, prepare me for um, what I have now. Yeah, I would imagine. And it's not it's not something I mean, I've, I've been in the packaging industry for about 15 years. And there's not a lot of engineers that that really bring that level of understanding of procurement and buying to the design. It's kind of like, and in some cases that's helpful. In some cases that's not, you know, it's, it, the helpful cases, it's just like, I don't know what this costs, but this is the absolute best way to, to, to engineer this. You go figure out how much it costs. Uh, do you find that you're having to ever balance that where it's like, well, I know that this is like 95% the best way to make this, but it's going to help us 40% on the pricing and it's still going to, it's still going to work really well. Like, do you find that you kind of limit yourself as you, as you are designing and engineering because you have that mindset behind you, or do you feel pretty uninhibited to just design and then bring in the costing later? Yeah, typically I mostly design to bring in the cost later. Um, like uh, the order of how everything goes will be quality safety cost or, or safety quality cost, I should say. So um, safety, if you're going to design something, your safety is going to be your number one concern. So if you have your uh, team member bending over too far, if it's possible for them to cut themselves, if it's an awkward position when lifting out the part, you know, you want to eliminate all of that from your initial design. And then the next part would be the quality. So how do I protect a surface of this part? Um, how do I ensure that clips are not falling off, corners are not bending, um, tubes are not being broken? And then after that, you begin to factor in the cost, right? So if you can reduce costs and still uh, keep a green circle in all the other categories, then, you know, that's something that's a that's a win-win, but uh, you never want to sacrifice safety or quality just for the cost, at yeah. least in my experience. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and especially, especially in um, automotive, right? Like, I, I don't want to be driving a car thinking like, I sure hope that they skipped on safety and quality in this thing while I'm barreling down an interstate in a in a van right. with my five kids in tow. Like, I want exactly. to be pretty confident. <laughs> it was all exactly. Okay, so I think this is cool, and and I had gotten connected up with you on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't remember when, but I, I I don't remember if it was when you went to Canoe or not. But I love the EV market space. I think it's incredibly fascinating. I've owned a couple of electric vehicles. I've followed Canoe for a while because I just thought they had a, a really awesome design and and what they're trying to bring to market. So was that part of when, when you go from Toyota to canoe and, and I think you've only been there for a short period of time is that, I think you said like a month or two. Yeah, I've only been there for a month. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you've been there for one month, right? So what has that been like to go from this big, giant, massive global company like Toyota to what's effectively like a, a funded startup that's yeah. like, we know we need packaging. Has that like reinvigorated a lot of the, some of the creativity that you had growing up or uh, what, what was that, What's that transition been like for you? Honestly, it's been a, a, a breath of fresh air. 
I would say. So, uh, you know, if you're being in the Toyota space where everything is really process oriented for so long, um, and it's no knock to Toyota or any sure. other traditional OEMs or anything like that, but everything has already been done the same way for 50 years or 100 years or whatever. So, like, that's the way it's always been done. And I know that the large OEMs are trying to change that mindset, right? They're launching EVs and stuff too. And they're trying to think differently, think like a, thinking like mobility companies and everything. So there have been some changes in that, but it hasn't um, filtrated all the way through down to the um, line just yet, right? So when you get to something like Canoe, it's all, there's nothing, right? Like they don't have, they may not have um, packaging already designed or anything like that. They may have some ideas, but they haven't been implemented just yet. So you get to come in with all of those wild ideas that you had saved up in your back pocket and just try them, right? Because there's no standards. It's, it's all a blank canvas. So you get to kind of come in and start your own standards and look at some ideas and think about different ways to do things. If you have something that you want to do at an OEM that normally wouldn't fly, you're like, okay, well, I think it will work and they give you that opportunity and you can try it and see how it goes. So having that flexibility and that freedom to really think outside the box is really a, a breath of fresh air for your creative side, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and how would you describe to people listening, uh, how would you describe Canoe as, as, a, as where they're at in the EV space? Maybe you haven't been there quite long enough, but I, I, like, I think their design is just like you described your job as a breath of fresh air. I think the design is really like a breath of fresh air. For those of you who haven't, I'll put a link to the canoe website. You can go check out what they're doing in the EV space. But how would you kind of describe not only the car, but has the sort of that, like that idea of creativity and, and, and freedom and things like, has that really gone through the culture of the company as you were talking about having that freedom? Like, do you feel that, uh, as 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 an employee there, yeah, I think the I think the electricity is there. We've all most people have come from somewhere, some type of OEM. A majority, I should say, have come from some OEM, and it's like cool coming all together, from these different places, and then different experiences, and maybe some things that we liked, and some things that we didn't like, and how we could use those ideas to kind of propel us forward. But yeah, I would say, for no pun intended, it's electric um, in yeah. there. Um, having um, everyone uh, contribute and their ideas and kind of sitting around and just kind of pinging ideas off each other and brainstorming and uh, all to make this idea of what canoe is come alive. So it's pretty cool, I should say, you know, you don't get to see that from the beginning too much, right? Like a lot of us who have gone to the other traditional OEMs, it's already been started. The culture's already there. It's already been established. The vehicles are up and running. You're on the streets, you know, but something like canoe where you know everyone's anticipating the launch um it's just exciting to be a part of that atmosphere yeah i i can only imagine is the so this we're, we're kind of getting here to the end and i'm i'm going to ask a question that i didn't i didn't like prep you for this one but just following your story and your career between the various places and you know i think i counted uh Ohio and Michigan and Texas and it doesn't sound like you you studied in Florida but did that remotely but in the in the different industries and the different jobs I suspect that you may have a, a favorite thing to do or a favorite place to visit when you're not working are you an adventurous like 
traveler or an adventurous learner or have like adventurous hobbies. I don't know why I'm getting that feel through through the Zoom call. But, um, <laughs> That's so funny because yes, uh, I do love to travel. Um, when I was working with Toyota, I got to go to Japan several times and man, that was probably, that really opened. I mean, I've always been a little bit of a traveler anyway, even I was at um, Axiom. I got to my first international trip, not international, like, you know, like over the pond was um, with Axiom. So I did, it was so funny. I had to study how we were packaging toothpaste in other countries. It was, a, mm. it was a request that we had from a client and they wanted us to go to um, Poland, Berlin and London to study this. And so we got a camera and we headed over, it was me and one other person and so uh, one person went to Poland and then I went to London and then we we're going to meet in Berlin. So I was gone for about six weeks. And what I didn't know was that you couldn't take pictures of <laughs> items on the shelves for some reason. Like that's really taboo in huh. Europe. So I guess like Car I probably like Carmen San Diego. I had like a, on a, on a, um, on a raincoat because it was kind of raining you know and I had my camera and I was taking pictures and I was getting all these weird stares and the grocery store I was like what is going on and then the clerk had asked me to remove my sim card and give it to her because you can't take pictures of me and I was like well why you know and I was kind of having my American uh, mindset like well I can do whatever I want to do <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> so I kind of just told her I deleted them and I just ran out of there and so every other store that I went to was kind of similar. I had to really sneak in and kind of take pictures. This is, this is kind of before, I mean, we had iPhones, but they weren't what they are today. Mm -hmm. Where it wouldn't be so obvious if you were taking pictures, you know, but, um, but yeah. So um, then went to Berlin for a while. So that was fun. And then, yeah, I, I am a little bit of a adventures traveler. I've been to Japan several times. I did the um, go-kart racing in um, Tokyo where you dress up as these different Mario characters and you, Ran up, drive a go kart through the streets oh, of Tokyo. You for real? That sounds yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, love I, have it. I have to share a picture. I was, I was um, Yoshi. I dressed okay. up as Yoshi and I'm driving around and we we're getting all these different, like, oh my God, so cool. So glad to see, have you guys here. And got to drive, drive over Rainbow Bridge. And it really, I mean, all I was missing, all I was missing was a banana peel. And I would have been. You know, in heaven. So. Like avoid avoiding. You're like you get the three turtle shells. You're like I'm taking yeah. someone out. I'm taking someone yeah. out. Exactly. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then there's just so many other little random adventures that I've had in Japan. It's such a cool place. And I recommend anybody to visit whenever the borders open back up from the COVID. But definitely one of my favorite places to visit. It's so unique. There's so much culture and history, and then there's so many other like wild things you can do. It's like it's like literally zero to 100. There's something in between for everybody. So, um, but outside of that, I'm a big wine person. So I'm a big viticulture um, whore, I guess you should say. Um, so anything wine, I have all the different wine Bibles. I like the study of wine, the art of wine, how you make it, how you grow it. I'm a big um, advocate of going out to Napa and I like to travel the world to drink wine as well. And then I also play tennis too, so. Okay. I knew it. I knew it. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, you did call it. You I don't know why. It. I just knew it. And you know <laughs> what? To all those people who keep saying, if you can't hack it, pack it, listen to what we just heard, right? Like, right. you you have been all over. You had to go to freaking Poland to look at 
toothpaste tubes. You got to go to Germany. You got to go to, you know, like you get to go to Japan all for your job. And, and it's not, it, it's such a, I think this industry is still, you know, 15 years in, it's still so fascinating to me. It's, it takes people all across the world, everywhere needs packaging. And I'm, I'm, that made me so happy. And, and I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear that you've been able to be Yoshi on the streets, uh, in the streets of Japan. <laughs> yes. All thanks to packaging. <laughs> all, all thanks to packaging. You know, what's funny, uh, connecting up to the wine, uh, the, the wine side of things. I've worked for a few companies that produce a lot of wine labels and that that's such a fun area of packaging in within the wine industry, just being in like the central coast and being in Napa and California and up and even like Seattle has a pretty cool little, uh, little wine scene up there in the U S. So, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Walla Walla. Yeah. 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 I love Walla Walla. Well, good to know. I'm not, I, one time I was at an industry event and a guy we were at, we were out to dinner in Vegas. I think it was at pack expo. And he's like, Adam, do you want to order the wine? And I'm sorry if this is going to be offensive <laughs> to somebody who loves wine, but I handed the wine list back because the cheapest bottle was like 200 bucks. And okay. I was like, I, the last bottle, the last glass of wine I had was out of a box. Um, you don't want me making this decision, sir. <laughs> like, I am not <laughs> at all refined in, in, in my, uh, in my, in my wine tasting and my love of wine. So well, that's cool. You're a wine. You, you love wine. You love engineering. You love Michigan State. Uh, you yeah, play yeah. tennis, uh, and you are you you are an electric and eclectic person oh, working thanks. for this electric and eclectic company. And I I got to imagine you're gonna feel like it's it's a it's a match made in heaven. Um, even yeah. though you're there for a month, just from what I know about the company, it yeah. seems like it seems like they're doing some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, very good. Well, uh, we are here at the end of our interview. And like I say, most of these, it goes by so stinking quickly. So um, Jamela, first of all, thanks so much for taking some time. We had to reschedule this a few times and I appreciate your uh, your grace and your being flexible yes. with that. Um, but so number one, how can people get in touch with you? Number two, uh, how can they learn more about Canoe? And I just realized those are some bars I just dropped. Uh, those those are some some rhymes. Yeah, yeah. so Mic drop. totally unintentional. Mic drop. Uh, but I, <laughs> I do <laughs> I do have I do have a rap song on iTunes. It's a true story. Um, I one time did that. Oh wow! Okay. I know it wasn't good, but it's out there for the world. Oh no! Um, I know I know I'm not proud of it. Okay. Uh, actually, I am proud. I'm proud of I'm proud of why I did it. I'm proud of what but went behind it. But I am not quitting my job. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Um, so how, how do people? That was a rabbit rabbit hole. How do people get in touch with you, and how do people learn about canoe? Yeah. So anyone who wants to reach me, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Jamela G's and George E M is and Mary E L A Lewis L W I S and Sam, and then canoe. It's just canoe.com. And you can do, go ahead and place your pre-orders out there if you like. Um, and they also have a LinkedIn page and they put actually a lot of information out there on the LinkedIn page. They actually were just at a recent summit and they were driving some vehicles around and they have the cool um, NASA contracts. You can check that out. So uh, between the website and LinkedIn, they post quite a bit of content. So if you're really of a canoebie or a canoeer, go ahead and check that out. Man, I love it. I love it. Well, <laughs> 
it's a, it's a great company, but uh, from what I can tell, you're you're an even cooler person. So I'm oh. I'm happy to know you, and yes. so honored that you were able to be not only on my podcast, but this was your first podcast ever. I hope that there are more to come, and that you can help create packaging that is driving sustainable change through uh, through electric vehicles. I think it's the way of the future for sure. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it's amazing. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. Um, I'm open to do it again. Want to do something else or have a collab or something like that? So I'm always open. Just hit me up. Let's do it. Let's get the let's get those canoes off the line and uh, and and into people's uh, yeah. Visit. yeah. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll go to the we'll go to Torrance or something like that and do some live videos. That could be fun. Yeah. All right, Jamela. Thanks. That so would be fun. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share, rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world because we believe that packaging is awesome.